0: Welcome to NeoChats, an interview-style podcast focusing on educating neonatal nurses caring for newborns and their families, hosted by Jenna Morton. It is a project of the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses, a nonprofit organization committed to the health and well-being of newborns and their families. This podcast is proudly sponsored by AstraZeneca Canada. Welcome to NeoChats.
1: I'm your host, Jenna Morton. On this episode, we're going to discuss RSV from a parent's perspective, as well as talk about the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation's position paper and the call for increased education around RSV. My guests are Fabiana Bikini, Executive Director of Canadian Premature Babies Foundation. Welcome to the show, Fabiana. Thank you, Jenna, for having me here today. Thank you. And thank you for also bringing with you a parent to share their story, Kate Jocelyn, so I'm wondering if we could just start by you sharing with us your family's experience with RSV.
2: Definitely. So I'm a mom of two preemie girls. Our oldest was born at 32 weeks in 2015, and she was in the NICU for six weeks. She had a lot of respiratory issues. So when we came home, we were highly educated by our nurses in the NICU about like staying away from anyone who had a cold because of RSV and other issues. So we were definitely on the lockdown with our eldest one. Um, And then uh, fast forward three years, we had, Rosie was born at 35 weeks, and she was quite a large preterm baby, um, and she had a relatively short stay, 11 days, we were home, and we did the same thing, like we were still really cautious, because it was in February, so kind of still hitting that cold, uh, cold and flu season, and then, but come the end of April, she did get RSV, so we had family over, and someone had a cough, and here you go, so we were Battled it out at home for a little bit and ended up uh, in the hospital. And she was admitted for another seven days on oxygen, which was super rough for her. You know, she's grown quite well, but both of our girls have asthma. Uh, Maggie's was mostly due to her issues in the NICU. Um, but Rosie is very much attributed to her that RSV infection. She's now five. She's been on puffers daily since she was a year old. And probably due to that, she is on the tinier side. We didn't qualify for the prophylactic. We live in the country. She goes. To, she went to a home daycare. We were very low risk factors for either children. So we never qualified. Whether that hopefully would have changed it, uh, it, may have, it would have given the peace of mind knowing they would have had some more protection.
1: Can you talk a little bit about why it's important for you as a parent to to share this story and, and to work towards seeing some change in what's happening in Canada?
2: Uh, definitely. And I see not even just with preterm infants or at a huge risk um and I definitely see though with full-term infants I'm constantly like don't kiss babies that aren't yours especially in cold and flu season there's a generation that you know of grandmothers kind of that age that all everyone wants to hold the baby and touch the baby and be in the baby's face and I think for those parents even within the NICU who aren't educated on really like how subtle you know RSV in an adult could be like anything from a light cough and a runny nose um and they don't think they think they're fine Um, But that little tiny tickle then can just be dramatically affect a preterm infant if they get it.
1: Fabiana, can you talk a little bit about the work that Canadian Premature Babies Foundation has been doing around this piece about
3: education and then access regarding RSV? Sure. So RSV is being on the preterm families radar forever because we know the risks of uh, infection for our babies. So CPBF has always been working on education materials for families. But in 2020, we are curious to know how families were receiving information if it was time to change from a printed material to an electronic. And, but you also want to know what kind of information they wanted, what they knew about RSV. So that uh, survey came as a big surprise for us. We had 691 parents answering the survey from across Canada. And we realized then the inequities across the country. First of all, with the access to palivizumab. Second, for the global information families received. From the survey, we realized only families who qualify for prophylaxis were receiving information and education on RSV. So families like Kate, who were, who had a late preterm baby, not necessarily receive uh, education in the hospital or how to decrease the risk of her babies getting sick. So we also learned that the new, the NICU nurses, the new NATO nurses were the first and most reliable source the information first for families in the NICU. That was a big aha moment for us when we said, okay, we needed to work together as a parent organization and the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses to really educate nurses all year round on RSV so that they can educate uh, the parents on the risks and how to decrease the risks and which babies qualify for the prophylaxis and which babies don't. So that was a big uh moment for CPBF to recreate all our educational materials. So we did podcasts, a lot of printed materials. We did an RSV uh, Q&A in 12 languages that we just launched last year. We have a booklet that we distribute in the NICUs about all common inter-respiratory illnesses that we call winter, but it's not really winter anymore. We can see the trend of flu RSV cold going all year round uh, during this time of the pandemic. So it's very important that the families receive information all year round. That's what they told us. So the position paper came out of, first of all, this um, survey result. And second, we work very closely with uh, a doctor in Canada, Dr. Bosco Pace, who is a big researcher in RSV. And he was doing this cost analysis to show the benefits of palivizumab, um, versus, uh, which when is guided by the risk, uh, scoring tool, what are the benefits and is worth the cost of the palivizumab for those babies? So we were like, wow, we need to get this information out. We need as many people as possible to know about this. Uh, and that's our call to action to ensure equal access to palivizumab across Canada for, especially for late preterm babies, 32 to 35 weeks. Education for parents all year round and education for healthcare providers all year round. So I think we think that is very important and we want to try to close the gap because as Kate mentioned, the long term impact of a baby with RSV. It affects the entire family, not only the baby, but affects the entire family. So, you really want to raise awareness on that piece and provide education and have um, equal access to polyvisumab in Canada.
1: I know it's been a, a long standing issue around the cost of it. Um, as a preemie parent, our boys were born in February. And I still remember 10 years later now, the nurses talking about how much it was going to cost. To give this to our children and making sure that we were going to be able to come in and take all the shots on their prescribed time because they didn't want to waste giving the shots to someone who wasn't going to be able to, to keep up with it. What did you find when you were talking with parents and with healthcare providers around that, that piece of understanding the importance of having some kind of intervention available?
3: Well, uh, talk about the cost. There was a lot of, we did a round table before we launched the position paper because we we want to have consensus from different stakeholders on what was important for uh, families. And in the round table, uh, a few parents were very shocked and surprised to know that the medication, the decision on who receives the prophylaxis or any medication is based on cost. And we actually have a quote from one parent on the position paper said, this is a hard pillow to swallow. And how do you put a price on the health of our children? And Kate was there. I'm sure she remembers that conversation. It was a very hard conversation. Yeah. And even personally for me, my son was 26 weeks. He qualified for two years in a row because he was on home oxygen. And I'm very grateful. Uh, but also it gave me a lot of... Um, passion to advocate for the families who didn't have the same opportunity as we had to protect my son and decrease the risk of him getting sick but we heard from across many families from our network how hard it's been especially the last two seasons with RSV uh, when many more babies are getting sick and we know all over the news now the media is all over RSV which is something that well, we we pre we preterm parents already knew about a lot about RSV, but it's kind of new for the population at large. And now it's all over the news, and families keep sharing with us the stress of being readmitted in hospital, being back into a, a pediatric floor or ICU with the alarms and beeps, because there's a huge affect on their mental health as well. And those are the things that are not tangible. Right. So you don't you cannot put a price on your mental health. The days that a parent miswork, you can put a price on that. But the trauma that you relieve being in hospital, and I think Kate can speak very well about that, it is it is a difficult thing. And I think that's why it really pushed us to uh make sure families have the same access.
1: Yeah, would you like to speak to that a bit, Kate, about that? the impact on you and your family of having to go back into the hospital
2: with Rosie it was you know we were home we were happy and a family of four and going back in uh with her on the pediatric floor was very much of a change um the the NICU has you know has a few cushiony things with the nurses and they're super lovely and like they're one-on-one with your babies so you can kind of leave like on the pediatric floor it's it's different and so I think that was for us the hardest part is that then I was all all of a sudden, stuck in that room 24-7. Uh, and my because we were on isolation, because so we didn't know exactly what it was, and that was our first taste of isolation. Um, my husband and our other daughter couldn't come. So they were, con- like, she was confused. It was our first, one of our first ambulance rides was going from one hospital to the other, which is a whole new thing for us. But it was very challenging, even just getting access to food. Um, as a parent as well, just having to, because she was, Rosie was a breastfed baby. So I was, she was feeding on demand. So as for food source, I was very limited on when and where I could leave to get food. And then you're just there and it's like any hospital stay kind of, again, you're up and they're up checking all night. And it was probably for us, the hardest part was being separated again um, and not having a full amount of knowledge and not really seeing people. Cause in pediatric floors, it's not that like our NICU ward is a bit more open. And so you have interaction with a bit more people, but on the pediatric floor, you're in a room and it, if you're on isolation, you see nobody.
1: I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit, Kate, about what what you would hope that healthcare workers would keep in mind in dealing with families that are maybe being readmitted with RSV or even just those initial conversations around it that they might have before you leave the
0: NICU.
2: We were very fortunate uh, with our eldest daughter. We participated in the five Care study. So we had some very nice, lovely, overlapping nurses as well the second time. Um, and most of our knowledge about RSB with Rosie came from participating in the five Care study with Maggie. So we had that knowledge. And like Fabiana said, there is a lot of the time, and I even witnessed that in our NICU is that you see some of that education going to really the young preterm, the young uh, preemie babies, as opposed to the later preterm or and even. Um, the babies that come into the NICU that aren't pre, that are full term and still requiring help, there is a gap in that knowledge and that information. And I guess you don't want to necessarily scare parents about, you know, everything in life. But I think and I now definitely with this fall, this past fall, it's definitely more people are more aware of it. But I do wish that there was a little bit more emphasis, that there was a little bit more um, taken, really just to like really highlight a especially when, and now like Fabiana said, it's all year round pretty much, especially in that cold and flu season and just the real consequences. And I hopefully sharing stories like this of that the risk is that you end up back in the hospital. You know, I don't think people don't think it's not gonna happen to us, we're fine, they'll be fine. And I think hopefully the more stories that get out and the more people are educated, it, it might hopefully reduce the numbers. Join your
0: neonatal nursing colleagues October 1st and 2nd, 2023 in Toronto for the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses Conference, CAN 2023. For all conference and program information, visit the CAN website at www.neonatalcan.ca. Updates and highlights will be posted as they become available.
1: Fabiana for you know our nurses that are listening to this podcast right now going okay I, I, I need to do more what more can I do what are the resources that are available to nurses right now
3: Well we have a lot of information on our website we have a section just for healthcare providers on uh, under education uh, there is a lot on common respiratory illnesses and also RSV and then for families, there's a lot of printables that they can just print out. And as I mentioned, there is one document on in 12 languages. It really talk about RSV, what is RSV, why is your preterm babies at a higher risk, how to decrease the risk, and really teaching uh, parents that, yes, the grandparents are going to come home it's gonna oh, it's going to build the immune system, let me touch your baby. So all those things that you have to sit down and educate to the family, We also have a letter on our website that the nurse can print for the families and the families can give to extended families and the grandparents and like why our babies are more fragile. I think that is very important for families because they always say, how am I going to tell my mother-in-law not to touch my baby? So the letter takes the weight out of the parent's shoulder, and this is something that the nurses can share with the parents. And we do distribute um, our uh, common respiratory illness booklet in all NICUs across Canada. I think that is a great resources uh, resource for families that the nurse can share, because it talks about the main viruses uh how the parent can identify the baby has one virus or another virus and when to call the doctor or when to call 911 or whatever emergency number it is in your city for Canada. So that I think is a very good tools for nurses because we know the stress they are working in the ICU every day. There's so much going on. And where do you go for resources? So we try to make it as simple as possible for the nurse to access those resources that is all evidence-based develop all in collaboration with uh, clinicians from across the country.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing that and Kate for sharing your story and opening up again. I know it's not easy to always tell the stories again and again, but it certainly makes a huge difference. So thank you for that. Thank you. Fabiana Bacchini is the executive director of the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation. And Kate Jocelyn is a preemie mom and a parent partner in Kingston, Ontario. To access the resources that Fabiana mentioned, you can go to CanadianPremies.org and look for the education tab.
0: NeoChats is a project of the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses. The content producer and host is Jenna Morton technical production by Tosh Taylor of the Podcast Hub. For more information on the association, visit our website at www.neonatalcan.ca or our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages.